Greetings. I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. Thanksgiving is fast approaching. It's time to be thankful. And who better to turn to for reasons to be thankful than to our Lord Jesus? This week we'll consider reasons for thankfulness in the earthly life of Jesus. And we find one in Luke 10, where some joyful disciples return to Jesus reporting that they have authority over demons. And Jesus says, rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And it's at this very moment Jesus turns to his Father and gives thanks in Luke 10, 21 and 22. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. What a remarkable scene we're privileged to glimpse into here as we listen in on this prayer of thanks from the Eternal Son to the Eternal Father. And what is the Son thanking His Father for? That mystery has been revealed to little children. Little children are being privileged in ways the great minds and thinkers of the world are not. And what is the mystery? Well, friends, Pastor Joel may not be able to help you here. What do you mean, Joel? Jesus ended this prayer, friend, by saying no one can know unless the Son reveals. So I'll ask you, friend, do you have eyes to see the mystery? Perhaps you're asking, well, Joel, how would I know? Well, there's a pretty simple test. I've talked to folks about how Jesus came into the world to save us from sin and shame. And sometimes in love, I will begin to gently press them to turn and believe the gospel. And I can't tell you the number of times I've had folks say to me, Pastor Joel, I'm good. I talk to God. Pastor Joel, I pray to God all the time. And sorrow fills my heart because this indicates their eyes have not been opened to the mystery. What do you mean, Joel? My friend, it is all the difference in the world if you address God as God or if you address Him as Father, your Heavenly Father. Do you speak to God generically or do you call out to Him familiarly as your Father? It is an indicator as to whether you have received the benediction of our Lord Jesus in verse 23. Where Jesus turns and says, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Jesus says to these disciples that they have seen what all those saints throughout Old Testament history only dreamed of. These disciples' eyes have been opened not merely to see the Son in the flesh come to save them. Jesus is saying that He has revealed them to them, His Father, and not just them. You see, this gospel was written to the one who loves God, to give certainty about all that Jesus had taught. Christians now living in the light of Jesus' death and resurrection can be thankful with their Lord Jesus to know the mystery that Old Testament saints never knew. My friend, that God is our Father. Are you thankful for that, my friend? 
Jab Hacker writes, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. If you understand this, friend, be thankful that you're not numbered among the smarty pants and wise guys of our day. Rejoice that you are a little child and you will be forever because your name has been enrolled in heaven by our Father. Now, if you're thinking, Joel, I don't know God as my Father. What should I do? It's very simple, my friend. The Father actually spoke earlier to a dear soul still blind to the greater spiritual reality. The father spoke from a cloud and said, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. If you want to know the father, you'll have to listen to the son he sent. Many long to hear what you hear. Will you listen and obey Jesus? If you do, you'll not only get Jesus as your Lord and brother, but you'll get God as your father. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. Greetings, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. The holiday season is upon us as Thanksgiving is but a few days away. And as we consider reasons for giving thanks, where better to look than to the most thankful man who ever walked the earth, our Lord Jesus. So what do we find Jesus giving thanks for, Joel? Well, one moment of thanks is found in John 11. We find Jesus giving his father thanks as he stands before the tomb of Lazarus, his dear departed friend. Jesus tells them to roll away the stone and then he says in verses 41 and 42, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Before performing his greatest earthly miracle, Jesus thanks his Father aloud for the benefit of others, that they might believe. And Jesus' thanks may be of special benefit to us this season. One of the hard things about the holidays, the older you get, is the growing presence of holiday absences. Holidays trigger memories of loved ones who are no longer with us, and those unique ways in which they blessed us. I remember Grandma Peg and her candy cane cookies. My Uncle Rick's huge grin was like nobody else's. Whose absence brings a holiday tear to your eye? Now one of the fascinating things about this scene in John 11 is that Lazarus' death didn't need to happen. When Lazarus got sick, his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent Jesus a note to come save him. But Jesus deliberately stayed away two extra days knowing Lazarus would die. Not because he didn't care. He told his disciples it was for the glory of God. You can imagine that Lazarus' sisters did not understand. When Jesus arrives, 
Each sister in turn runs up to Jesus and asks the same question, says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? But Jesus reacts differently when Mary comes up. We're told Mary's broken heart moves our Savior deeply. The shortest verse in the Bible is among the most profound. John 11:35. Jesus wept. Jesus is deeply moved because at the moment when Lazarus had needed God's presence the most as he lay there dying, at the very time that Martha and Mary were having their hearts torn as they watched their loved one go, Jesus had been absent. God wasn't there. Jesus saw Mary's pain, and at this moment, he weeps tears like yours, like mine, as we grieve over our missing loved ones. And then Jesus gives his father thanks and has them roll away the stone. Jesus gave thanks as he felt the absence we feel as he looked into that dark tomb. He gave thanks not only because he was about to show he had power over death here, but that he could give a preview to an infinitely greater absence when all would go dark. When his father would turn his face away from his beloved son for the first time in eternity. Friend, Jesus thanked his father that we would see he came to conquer death and that by his resurrection and ascension to heaven, God would be glorified as we come to know his presence is near even in our darkest moments. Now, I'll be the first to confess that sometimes it is really difficult to sense God's presence. These feelings of mine are proof that in one sense, nothing has changed in 2,000 years. I mean, think about it. When Jesus came into our world, when God's presence was the most evident, a whole lot of folks sure didn't feel his presence. And a bunch got together even and crucified him. Perhaps you've been struggling that God's presence does not seem very evident, maybe especially in the holiday season. Well, Pastor Joel has good news. God's presence is not based on your feelings. It's based on believing. Believing even when everything else suggests otherwise. It's called faith. Faith that God cares so deeply for all of us that he experienced absence so that we wouldn't have to forever. Christ came to share in our sufferings so that he could conquer death once and for all so we too can have the hope of not only our believing loved ones being resurrected, but also in our own resurrection through faith in Jesus. So even though we will watch loved ones die as the years go by, and even though we'll all die should the Lord tarry, through faith in Jesus Christ we can have eternal life Friend, Jesus said, do you believe this? If you believe this, then I declare in Jesus' name that you can be comforted this day and this holiday season because the only true comfort that can be found in life or death is that you belong body and soul to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Belief in Jesus means death is no longer a passage from the land of the living to the land of the dying. It is a transition from the land of the dying to the land of the living. And when that final trumpet sounds, it will also be a dinner bell as we gather for the greatest feast ever, 
with the entire family of God. So this Thanksgiving and during all the holidays, let us follow Jesus' example and let us give thanks even before we see God glorified in the miracle of the resurrection of all his people. Remember who you are and who you belong to. Greetings, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. I have a pre-holiday Thanksgiving tradition. Monday is trash day, but on the Monday morning before Thanksgiving, I try to take up extra trash in the house. Even if the kitchen trash is only half full, I maximize my weekly trash disposal. Why do you do that, Joel? Because I know the following Monday will not be a normal trash day. Following the Thanksgiving feast with all the guests and family who come over, it is certain there will be extra waste and the trash will be overflowing. I may well not be able to fit it all in. Funny thing is, I was not enthusiastic about taking out the trash as a boy. In fact, I used to complain. Now that I'm a 46-year-old pastor, I think more theologically about my trash. Or perhaps I'm simply on the lookout for a sermon illustration. Either way, I'm now convinced that taking out a lot of trash is not a curse. Taking out a lot of trash means we have been very blessed. I have much reason to be thankful because the Lord provided much, so much that even some gets wasted. And thankfulness for God's abundant provision is part of what our Lord Jesus wants us to see in John chapter 6. Andrew has just handed Jesus what amounts to a sack lunch, five loaves and a few fishes. And he wants to know what can possibly be done for a large crowd numbering in the thousands. And Jesus says, have the people sit down. And then we read in verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they want. He did the same with the fish. When they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Did you hear that? Jesus gave thanks to God for the food that fed thousands of people. And that serves an example to us as we gather around our own feasts. We ought to be grateful. That's part of the reason John mentions Jesus' thanks, in fact, a second time in verse 23. But not the whole reason. Because Jesus then tells this crowd this miraculous feeding was a sign. It was like a sign. You, you know, see on the road, Elkhart, 10 miles. A visible marker pointing you to a not yet visible reality. So while thankfulness for the food is appropriate, we're missing what we should really be thankful for if all we're thinking about is how full our bellies are going to be. So what does Jesus want us to be thankful for, Joel? Listen to him in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day.
Jesus is saying that the miraculous multiplying of the loaves was a sign pointing to his glory. First, that he himself is the true bread of life. Jesus doesn't want us to merely be thankful for the food that spoils, the waste of which will overflow our trash cans next week. Jesus is the bread come down from heaven. And there's the second thing. Jesus says, the food I offer you will nourish you to eternal life. If you feed on me, you will never go hungry, never be thirsty, never die, and more, you will never be turned away. What a wonderful word. Jesus is holding forth the finest feast you could ever be invited to, and you will never be turned away for not making a reservation. Three times Jesus says, all you have to do is come. Now, you would be surprised if anyone would turn down such a great offer. But that is exactly what John will go on to tell us this crowd does. And what John is saying to you and I who are reading this, don't make the same mistake. John says, they looked at Jesus and had no desire for him. They only wanted what he could give to fill their bellies. He had come to give them himself, but all they wanted was what he could do for them. Dear friend, don't make the same mistake and miss out on the greater feast to give thanks for. Friend, who do you see Jesus to be? Who do you see Jesus to be? Jesus doesn't want to be your server, your table waiter, though he did do that. Jesus wants to sit down at the table with you. I remember Corey Temboom talking about how she grew up thinking that Jesus was another member of their family because after the prayer of thanks, the family continued to talk to Jesus while they ate. Now that may seem strange to us, but perhaps that's because we're too fixated on the signs of his love and not on him. So what do we do, Joel? Well, as we give thanks this year for our Thanksgiving feast, let's remember we don't live on bread alone but only by every word that comes from God. And Jesus said to trust him three times. He said, simply believe, believe his words. Believe that the words he speaks are the words of eternal life. And keep coming to him with a thankful heart, listening to his voice and knowing that he promises to never send any away who come to him and take him at his word, that he is the true bread from heaven. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to.